If you have a Bible, open with me to Matthew chapter 7. As we uh, move from a a conversation the last couple of weeks on our vision, we're going to continue to reference that and come back to that as we move ahead. But today we do begin uh, the practices, which is an ongoing project for us. This is going to be year four, believe it or not, in the practices. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to begin And I'm going to read verses 13, 14, and then we'll skip down to verse 24, and then uh, we'll get into this together. Enter through the narrow gate. These are the words of Jesus, one of his most famous teachings. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Down to 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Father, we ask now as we open your word, as we begin again this conversation about what it means to practice the ways of Jesus, that you would speak to us, challenge us, uh, encourage us, help us to see the bigness of your kingdom and who you are and what you are doing in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. It was a good mumble. I remember. (laughs) All right, Irish theologian Peter Rollins writes Our practices do not fall short of our beliefs. Our practices do not fall short of our beliefs, but are the concrete material expression of them. In other words, our outer world is not something that needs to be brought into line with our inner world, but is an expression of it. This is one of the most challenging things that I have ever read. What he is doing here is confronting a theology that gives primacy to beliefs. And much of, of uh, the, the sort of Western evangelical church, I think, is built on this idea, built on this argument that if we just believe the right things, everything else will fall into place. Peter Rollins challenges this. Jesus, I think, challenges it even more powerfully and directly in his teaching that we just read. This comes from a a section of scripture, Matthew 5 through 7, famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. What they are saying is this. If you want to know what I believe, don't ask me for a a list of doctrines or, or the books that I've read. Look at how I live. If you want to know what I really believe, look at my life. If I say that I believe that eating good food, you know, natural food, fruits and vegetables, these sorts of things are essential to health and wellness, but then I have flaming hot Cheetos at all three meals, I don't actually believe that, right? I believe that what I put into my body doesn't really matter. If I should give my treasure to good causes, that I I should give my talents to to places that can use them. But then I never actually do those things. I don't give any money. I don't sign up for anything. I don't show up anywhere. What I actually believe is that my resources are limited and should be hoarded. Are you with me? 
There is a gap between belief and action. And honestly, it's not even really the gap that is the issue. It's that we really believe something else. It's that we actually believe something else. Here's another way of getting at this. This is from my current experience as a parent. This is going to be a little bit of therapy. So just bear with me. We're in a phase where um, our kids, who are, who are wonderful, I love my kids very much, but we're in a phase where, where they are just sort of over having to hear certain instruction from me. One, one example of this, Monday through Friday, our routine uh, as, as parents of elementary age kids, our routine is all about getting out the door and going to school, Right? And so at 7.45, we try, to, we try to be out the door, but somewhere between 8.05. 7.45, I'll do, a little, I'll do a little round, and I'll notice, like, hmm, backpacks are unpacked, jackets are on the floor, no one has their shoes on, haven't brushed our teeth yet. And so I'll do, uh, you know, super helpful and inspiring, you know, dad speech. Hey, pack your bags, get your shoes on, brush your teeth, we got to go, 20 minutes. Right, you, you feel that, and you're like, yeah. I'm ready to do that. Anyway, I give them my speech, and what do I hear back? Parents, you can say it with me. I know. Ooh, I, I felt that one, right? And, 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 and like, the more uh, urgency there is, the longer the no. I know. Right? So, 7.45, well, we got all this stuff to do, let's go in 20 minutes, we're out the door. I know, 8.05, backpacks are unpacked, shoes are on the floor, jackets, lunch is over there. Hey guys, we got like five minutes, let's go, pack your bags, get your shoes on, we're going out the door. <laughs> I know, 8.10, no, still brush their teeth, shoes, are, shoes aren't on, jackets are over there, Back, backpacks still not packed. Time to go. I know. Our practices do not fall short of our beliefs, but are the concrete material expression of them. <laughs> uh, we can know a lot of things. We can know a lot of things. Many of us in this room do, in fact, know a lot of things. Do we live them? Do we live them? Again, the overarching theological project of the Western church over the last hundred years has been focused on knowledge and beliefs, and then we're surprised when people act like my kids. It's like God's over here saying, hey guys, you're not machines. Slow down. Rest. Take a Sabbath. I know. And then we just keep working 60 hours a week. Right? Right? God's over here. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a chat. You want to talk? Let's pray. Let's pray. I know. And then we keep binging Ted Lasso or what's the show right now? The Last of Us. Did I say that right? Okay. I don't. I have no idea what it is. I just know people like it. I'm not. Uh, I don't begin here this morning. Uh, to sort of lay a guilt trip on us. Okay, that is not the point of this at all, but simply to name the gap, 
right? That gap between belief and action. And again, to, to point out how it's not even really an issue of there being a gap. It's that we just believe other things. And, and a lot of, again, modern theology and conversation in the church actually reinforces that gap. Because all you got to do is just believe the right things. You, as we say here often, you are not just a brain. You are not just a brain. You are a whole person. You are a human being. You are a mind, but also heart, soul, and strength. And our formation in the ways of Jesus involves all of that. Hearts and mind and strength. And this, this is what Jesus invites us into in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 specifically when he speaks to this narrow way and this idea of building on a solid foundation. The spiritual practices or disciplines, as they are sometimes called, do a couple things for us. One is I think they are a lens. They are a lens through which we ask some hard questions. Like this one this morning. What does my life actually say about what I believe? They are a lens, but they are also a means. A means through which deep alignment, integrity, Deep alignment is created uh, between our inner and outer worlds, the practices. Now, back in the, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, when I was young, uh, my Golden State Warriors were terrible for many like decades. This was right in the heart of the dark ages of the Warriors being terrible. The Lakers were good. It was a bad time. Individual players. One of my favorite. Maintain my sort of interest, ongoing interest in the NBA. I got excited about individual players. One of my favorite players of this era, maybe my favorite player of this era, was a guy named Allen Iverson. Anybody like any AI fans? Hey, there's one right there. Beautiful. <laughs> Allen Iverson was awesome. He was he was barely six feet tall, and before Steph Curry, maybe the most dominant small player in the history of the NBA. Okay, won won the MVP scoring titles, all of that kind of stuff. In addition to being really good at basketball, he was also this sort of iconic figure. He had the baggy shorts and the sleeves of tattoos and the cornrows, and it was kind of like offensive to middle-class sensibilities, which I appreciated. And, and, and he just was awesome. Um, but there's a, there's a very famous moment, maybe the thing that he's most famous for now in some ways, there's a famous moment where... The team was struggling. He wasn't necessarily playing his best. And it kind of came out that he had not been going to practice. And so he was questioned about this in, in an interview. And he kind of went off about it. Like, practice? Why, like, why are we talking about, like, I'm Allen Iverson. I, I average 30 points a game. Why are you asking me about, about practice? And, and it's sort of a funny, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like a sports meme at this point. Because he kind of has a point. He's one of those people, one of the rare human beings who could just sort of roll out of bed and score 30 points in an NBA game. But most of us can't do that in an NBA game <laughs> or, or in other areas of our life, right? We need practice. Allen Iverson didn't need practice. Steve Boutry needs practice. 
We need that structure, the repetition, in order to create muscle memory. We need to, to break things down. Otherwise, we get overwhelmed. Back to parenting for a moment. I found that saying, hey, get ready for school. It is too big. Right? That's overwhelming. So we break it down. Uh, eat breakfast, get dressed, brush your teeth, right? This whole process. And there's even like, if you go to our house, there's little signs with like checklists of like, these are the things, right? We need to break it down. In the same way, we tell people like, just believe in Jesus. And again, then, we, then we're like, we become frustrated on the other side of that when people are overwhelmed by, well, I don't even know. Like, what does that mean? How do I, where do I begin, right? We break it down. The practices are the ways in which we build skills, we build muscle memory. We build resilience. It's through the practices that we align our actions and our beliefs. We create integrity. It's through the practices that we find alignment between how we might be feeling in a moment and what maybe needs to be done in that moment. Sometimes we don't feel like opening scripture or praying or whatever, but we do it anyway. And then we find that the feelings sort of come on the back end. It is through the practices that we discover what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7. We discover the narrow way. Now, these two verses, I think, are sometimes misinterpreted and misapplied. They sort of can come across as like, you've got to like thread the needle. Right? Like, there's like this sort of like judgment. And if you like, mm, oh, didn't make it. Like, didn't make Like, Jesus is standing there at the gate sort of like, nope, 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 okay, nope. No! This is not what Jesus is saying here at all. Scripture multiple times speaks to how big Psalms at the very beginning of the gathering today. Jesus is not saying you basically get one shot so don't blow it. What he is saying is that there are a lot of ways. There are a lot of ways that are available to us. There is a way that leads to life. Do you see the difference? There are a lot of stories that you can give your life to, but there is a better story. If you were with us last week, Pastor Antonio did a beautiful job uh, sort of landing our vision conversation in this idea of the story that we live by, right? There are lesser stories, and then there is a better story. There are ways that lead to death, and there is a way that leads to life. And it's this idea, it's this theme that Jesus picks up later when he talks about houses and rocks and storms, about building on a strong foundation, which is sort of like, duh, but, but sometimes we don't do this, right? Rock is superior to sand. It's wise. It lasts. It's life-giving. There are multiple ways that we can live that are not necessarily helpful for us that ultimately lead to death, and there is a way that leads to life. Expanding on this, Jesus, a couple of chapters later, if you're still in Matthew, flip over to chapter 11. Um, I'm going to read this from the message because I just love the way that, that it is sort of laid out here. But in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. 
Watch how I do it. Imitate me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. This is the narrow way. This is the life built on the rock. My opinion, and this is just my opinion, this is one of the most beautiful things that Jesus says. But I think that this can easily be misunderstood. I've even seen it abused at times to, to sort of mean that, oh, following Jesus should be easy. Kind of like the path of least resistance. And I do not think that this is what Jesus is saying at all. The narrow way is not easy, but sometimes we, we sort of interpret it kind of like <clears throat> the, the Snoop Dogg Corona commercials, right? Like, like that's what following Jesus is supposed to be like. Like it doesn't require very much of you. Just sort of chill. <laughs> the way of Jesus, though, is not easy. It's not easy. Following Jesus with heart, soul, mind, and strength is not easy. It is not uh, ill-fitting, I think, is the phrase that I, that I love most from, from that particular translation. It fits. So the problem here is obvious. Tired, worn out, burned out, right? Burned out on religion. Love that phrase. The invitation, beautiful. Rest, get away, recover your life. But the answer is active. Right? It's not passive. It's not sit on a beach with a drink with a little umbrella in it. It's walk with Jesus. Work with Jesus. Watch Jesus. Imitate Jesus. There, there's an active participation in it. And the good news is, is that it's unforced rhythms of grace. Again, not about ease. It is about fit about fit, nothing ill-fitting. You ever worn a, a pair of pants or a shirt that doesn't quite fit right? It's like all you feel. If you're wearing one of those, you're like, oh man, that's all I'm going to be thinking about now the rest of, the rest of today. Following Jesus fits. It, it, it fits because this is how you were meant to live. Walk with him. Work with him. Watch him. Not, not as a machine, just grinding all the time, but also not as an angel. As a human God created in his image, created to partner with God in the stewardship of his creation and the renewal of all things, which is not easy, but it is right. It is good. It is the unforced rhythms of grace. It is the narrow way. It fits. It is the way of Jesus. Now, over the next couple of weeks and then again in the fall, we're going to dig into some specific practices. But this morning, uh, I want to sort of Open the conversation this year by tying this back into our vision for this year. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, again, we've been, we've been exploring our, our vision as a church, our reality that we've been naming this year as a new country church. Right? There's an old country. God is calling us into the new country. One of the things that we said is that we need good guides to, to navigate and figure out how to, how to live in this new country. We need good guides, guides who can help us explore. 
And one of the things that we are working on as a community is some more kind of definition around what a guide is, what that looks like. Let me just share a very simple definition of a new country guide for us to think about this morning. A new country guide is a contemplative activist. A contemplative activist. Now, these terms relate to that tension that we just named a minute ago, right? Machines versus angels. Uh, they also relate to the two core heresies of our faith. The heresy that Jesus was just a man, not the Son of God. This is called Ebionism. My seminary friends can double-check me on this later. The other heresy is that Jesus was only God and not a human, doceticism. Now, the... <clears throat> Core truth, one of the core truths of our faith is that we believe Jesus was paradoxically fully God and fully human. This is the truth of the incarnation, God in the flesh, Jesus, the real contemplative activist. And so to walk in his ways, to work with him, to, to watch Jesus and imitate him, we are contemplative. One of the ways we say this around here is you don't have a spiritual life, you are a spiritual life. Right? And some of us, sometimes we use that kind of language, oh, I'm just working on my spiritual life right now. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Because you are a spiritual life. Guides are rooted in right relationship with God through reading, prayer, solitude, hikes in the woods, whatever it is that helps you connect with the Creator. Deeply rooted in right relationship with God but also activists, also activists. We do stuff. We share good news. We fight for justice. We start things. We build things. We make things. We steward the creation. Guides are rooted in right relationship with our neighbors. And this comes back to that, that great commandment. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what, what we'll find is that we may have a natural bent towards one or the other. Some of us are more contemplative. Some of us are more activist. That's part of the beauty of the church. And there may be periods of time in our life where we need to lean into one a little bit more than the other. But holding both together is where we discover the good news of Jesus, where we discover the narrow way. Right, right, the life that is involved in the narrow way. That, that this is what it looks like when we, Jesus was an activist. He built teams. He healed people. He gave teachings. He changed the world. But he also was a contemplative. Dallas Willard was asked one time, you know, describe Jesus in one word. And the word that he chose is the word Relaxed. I love that. Jesus was never rushed. Jesus left a lot of opportunities on the table. But he did exactly what he needed to do. Deeply connected to his father. Now, at the extremes, again, if we try to resolve this tension too much, we end up in one of these extremes where, where you know, again, it's a, it's a heresy. I find in my life anyway as a pastor that very few people are like, man, I'm just, 
I'm just really drawn to heresy right now. Um, which is good. I'm glad I don't have to have that conversation too often. But that's not really where we end up, right? No one claims to be a docetic or an ebionist. But, but we do, I think, tend to hide in, in one or two, you know, in one side of this tension. In one direction or another. And quite frankly, the church can be a wonderful place to hide. And to put on a mask and to not be real about who we really are. And so some of us, we hide behind a performative spirituality. Right? We say all the Christianese, I'm just waiting for my breakthrough or whatever it is. And it's just this, it's just, it's not real. Some of us hide behind activity. Right? Look at all that I do. Look at all the people I serve. Look at all the things that I'm a part of. Are you hiding? Are you hiding in performative spirituality or are you hiding behind activity? And I believe what Jesus is inviting us to when he speaks of the narrow way, when he, when he invites us to build on the rock, when he talks about these unforced rhythms of grace, the practices, the spiritual disciplines, the invitation is to be real is to be real. It's very scary to be real. Much easier to keep that mask on, to hide behind these other things. But what Jesus is inviting us to is to reality. To be real. This is who I am. Every Sunday we come to the communion table, which to me, if nothing else, is an invitation to sit down with Jesus and to be real. To take the mask off. I'm not performing. I'm not doing a bunch of stuff. But to take the mask off and to enjoy that rest. Right? To enjoy the life that he offers us. So as we come to the table this morning, as we, we will, again, spend the next couple of weeks in more specific conversation around some of the practices. I just want to begin with that. Are you hiding? Are there masks that you have put on to sort of play the role that you think you need to play in the church? Is it time to take those masks off and be real? No more spiritual performance. No more look at all the stuff that I'm doing. And to just be real. To work with Jesus. To walk with Jesus. To participate in his unforced rhythms around the theater and take communion. We also are going to have some folks available for prayer. So there will be two of us over here, a couple people over there. If you want to pray with someone about what we've talked about today, about some of the ways that you're hiding, if you want to pray with someone about something else, we're available for that as well. But let me pray and then we'll take communion together. Father, we do confess that sometimes we put these masks on. And we try to impress you. We try to impress other people with our Christianese, with, with all the things that we do, with our accomplishments. And so now, God, we just set that aside. No more performing. No more uh, trying to 
impress people. Just real. Just real. God, we are so grateful for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for what you have done on our behalf through your death and resurrection, for inviting us to the table to sit and to rest. Inviting us to the table where we can take the mask off and be real. Inviting us to the table where we can enjoy these unforced rhythms of grace. Your way, the narrow way. The way that gives life. So, I, uh, Father, I just pray on behalf of everyone here this morning that we would do that work, that we would lay those things aside, that we would come to the table this morning to be real, to be real with you and to be real with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.